phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome. This is Federation Radio with your host, Lloyd, once again. And today we're going over the episode, Season 2, Episode 5, The Apple. Which is very much a Garden of Eden type story, but also mixed with a little bit of... No, honestly, no, it is just a Garden of Eden type story. It's There's actually a few of these throughout Star Trek. I think we've actually already covered one if I flicked back through, I could probably find. But like, there are these occasional worlds that just seem perfect. Until they start exploring, and then almost every time they turn out not to be perfect at all. But this one, from the beginning, like they call it an Eden-like planet. It's a Class M world, everything on it is beautiful, they're scanning it, they even pick up a couple of... They're not quite human, but humanoid life forms that seem to be congregating in like a village. Now from the ship, they weren't able to pick anything up, but when they get here, they realise that there's something going on. Like Spock works out, there's vibrations... They're too rhythmic, as if they're coming from a machine of some kind that is deep underground. And they know nearby is a village. And in that village, there's where the humanoids live. Which, at this point, they're trying to avoid, because they don't want to mix with the culture too much. But, like, during their exploration, one of their crew gets stung by a flower. Well, shot by a flower, who shoots him with, like, a needle or something that's poison. Kills him immediately. Later on in the episode, Spock saves Kirk from being hit by one of those one of those flowers, and uh, luckily for Spock, he is a Vulcan, so he has a much better metabolism, and McCoy is able to actually save him. Now, they try and get back to the ship at this point, when they realize they're in danger, and they discover they can't. The transporter doesn't work, and at the start of the episode, Scotty sort of pointed out that there's something to the ship they should be aware of, and that's that the antimatter reserves are being drained slowly. He's not sure why. But it's happening. He said, there's nothing to be concerned about yet. He's investigating, but don't worry about it. Now, as the episode goes, the ship goes through worse problems. As I said, they try and transport up, and they can't. They try to transport, it just doesn't work. And they realize they're stuck on a planet where the flowers are toxic. We've At this point, Spock has pointed out, he picked up a rock, and he's like, this is interesting. It seems to have different minerals in it. He snaps it in half, goes to throw half of it across, like across the ground not far from them it explodes like a landmine <laughs> and Kirk's like be careful where you throw your rocks please Mr. Spock so not long after that they're, they're running around the planet they're trying to work out what's going on they've realised that they're being followed by these humanoids they end up meeting them and these humanoids I'm telling you they just look like really tall oompa loompas they, I don't know why they decided to paint them orange and give them this weird paint scheme on them but it's, they gave them like green hair it's one of the weirder, definitely Star Trek humanoid races. You can tell they didn't know what to do and they were just using whatever was left in the makeup department. But these humanoids, they determine to be what's called Val. Or at least they are Val's people because they follow Val. Now, Val, as we learn, is a giant uh, statue-looking thing into a cave made of a snake. Well, made to look like a snake. Now, Spock, when he tries to go near it, is actually thrown backwards because there's a force field around it, and that force field stops anyone from getting too close to it. So, we determine we're not able to get near it. The local populace seems to be pacifist, they don't really want to hurt anyone, and they seem confused by the idea of um, children, because they say, is this all of your people? And they're looking around, like, just seeing men and women, they're like, where are the children? And they seem confused, they don't know what children are. And then they try and describe what, you know, man and a woman does and how appropriation works. And 
they sort of at one point they go ah the touching and those things yes Val has forbidden it <laughs> and that's where the doctor sort of turns around and goes well there goes paradise which you know so these people dr mccoy goes over them he's scanning them and we work out these people are like perfect health this is a proper garden of eden these people whatever they're eating however they're being treated the doctor basically says i can't tell you how old they are because they show zero signs of aging they are all in perfect health and they have perfect nutrition i can't explain it to you i couldn't tell you if they were 25 or 25000 years old but they are in perfect health every one of them so and like again now i'm saying this out loud we have definitely seen this before but anyway so they go on examining and they realize that every now and again val gets hungry and he needs to be fed now we don't really know what or how it works, but these tribal people like go into this cave, so apparently the force field's gone during the feeding time. So, during these times, they go into the cave, they do something with what Spock speculates from his tricorder to be some kind of very ancient machinery that has a lot of underground stuff that seems to be powering all this. Now, at this point, we realise, well, like we already know, they're trapped, they're unable to get back to the ship, and we've been getting calls from Scotty that the ship situation is getting worse. The ship is now out of antimatter and it's being dragged towards the planet. He says, I've transferred all power I can to try and get the impulse drive working, which is the only system that is working. He says the warp drive is off and without antimatter they're unable to use it. And he's transporting all power he can to the engines to try and push against whatever's pulling them down, but he estimates he only has about 45 minutes. Now a little while later, about half hour later, he manages to get all the energy to it to try and pull the ship even further back to protect them. They do pull back. But then they're sort of... It tries to rip them back towards the planet, this energy, which seems to drain Val. So Val, at this point... And, you know, stop me if this sounds familiar, because, again, I'm realising as I'm saying this, this is basically the exact same story we just had of Apollo with the whole draining of its energy, but, you know, whatever. So they're trying to pull the ship back. They're trying to stop it from being drained. You know, Scotty estimates that what they did, it blew out most of the ship's systems, so at this point there's no way they're going to be able to transfer that much power to the engines again, but they've bought themselves about an hour. Now, at this point, the Val actually sees, so Chekhov's on the ground, and he's with this girl who seems to be his girlfriend, this girl he's seeing, she's also a Starfleet officer, but he seems to be with her, they're being all cutesy, and a little while later... One of the Val actually sees what they're doing, and the two Val, this couple, tries to sort of emulate it, because they're a bit confused about what it means. And then the leader of the Val sees them, and he gets pretty annoyed. He's like, you you would disrespect everything Val has given us? He has banned this type of activity. And then Val sends him a message to crush them, like kill them. They get out a weapon that shows him getting this like metal staff that he's been given, and he just slams it against a rock and it explodes their head. And it explodes, like, the rock in pieces because of the force behind it. And he says, this is what we do. We get up behind them and we do this. Because remember, these people were pacifists. They didn't understand fighting. So Val has just, like, they all have this weird, like, antenna in their neck that seems to connect them to Val. He's able to send messages. So apparently he has told them, basically, how violence works and told them to hurt the Starfleet crew. Now, they try to do it, but of course, they just have, like, metal rods. There's no electronics to it. So compared to what Kirk and his crew have, it's nothing. Kirk and his crew manage to overwhelm them, and they imprison them in one of the huts pretty quickly and keep them there, and they just give McCoy the order, like, do not let them out. Now they hear Val's, like, call for feeding time, and they all go to do it, but Dr. McCoy and Kirk and all that tell them to get back in the tent and refuse to let them. And then they realise, they come up with an idea, kind of like Apollo, where he's busy, his energy is drained, now's the time. 
They go back, he calls up Scotty and says, is there enough power left for you to fire the phasers? And Scotty says yes, but he says, we have scanned the area you're talking about with Val, and we won't be able to get through the force field. Kirk says that's okay, if I'm correct right now, there won't be a force field. It will drain its reserves trying to put it back up to protect itself. I need you to keep firing. Which is exactly what they do. They fire on it, the shield sort of weakens, it runs out of power eventually, and they destroy Val. Now, there's sort of been a debate going on in the background at this point between McCoy and Spock as all this has been happening, where McCoy is disgusted. He sees this as some kind of alien or other entity has obviously installed a computer of some kind and basically enslaved these people, told them how to live and what to do. Now, Spock tells him that's a very human point of view. You cannot judge the entire galaxy by the way that humans conduct themselves as you are but a minority. And McCoy points out that, you know, it doesn't matter. He says there are some things that are universal, and individual freedom to choose what you want to do should be one of them. And this Val is taking that away from them. Which, you know, I actually agree with McCoy as much as I'm like, this place doesn't seem terrible. Like, it is a paradise, and you are being given a lot of good things and possibly eternal life, but I would rather live a shorter life with freedoms than live an eternity as a slave. So... I agree with McCoy, but you know, I, I also get Spock's point of view of you shouldn't treat the whole galaxy by the standards of humanity. That's just, it doesn't work. Even on Earth, you cannot treat every culture by the standards of the West. The West has different standards to a lot of cultures, and those standards don't exist for no reason. They have their own cultural reasons for doing a lot of things. I'm not saying they're always right, but, you know, most things don't just come out of a vacuum. They exist because of other reasons and decisions being made. These people tend to believe that they're doing the right thing, just like the Val. The Val have never questioned Val, because why would they? They've lived forever, they seem to be happy, they're taken care of. But as McCoy says, they're stagnant. They're not having children. They seem to live forever, but all they do is sit around in their mud huts. They don't grow anything, they don't learn anything, they are treated like machines that can just be put offline and on standby whenever the Val feels like it. Now, like I said, they're firing the phases, they do destroy Val, they actually destroy the temple with the snake, and I didn't realise until this point, but... When they get back to the ship afterwards, because obviously Val's destroyed and they sort of talk to the locals and tell them, hey, you, you might find that you enjoy a bit of freedom. You can experiment with your women, you can work out what children are, and I'm sure you'll enjoy that, and you might enjoy a bit of agriculture and learning how the fruits come. You don't need Val to do all that for you. And, you know, Kirk does say, we will help you, so presumably he either leaves some staff here or Federation is going to be sending another ship out to help them, which I just have to say, McCoy's whole argument and this entire episode... You can really tell the Prime Directive is either not existing yet, or Kirk just does not care about it. Because this is one of those situations where he has irreversibly damaged a society and changed its outcome. Which is like 100% why the Prime Directive exists, to not allow Starfleet to do that. Like, the whole idea of it is supposed to be let people develop on their own. But I suppose you could also argue that Val's existence, obviously not being created by these people is a breach of the Prime Directive in itself, so removing that res restores them to their own development. So I don't know, that's a bit of a philosophical should-you-help-should-you-not debate that we get now and again in Star Trek, although in the original series it does seem to be a lot more of just whatever Kirk feels like is what's going to happen. But yeah, so it's, it's not a super big episode, nothing really amazing happens. I mean, there is, there's another great quote from um, our good old Mr. Chekhov, at one point, when McCoy says this is basically like the Garden of Eden, and then Chekhov sort of speaks up at the start of the episode and goes, Oh, yes, it makes me very nostalgic for being back home in Russia. 
They're like, the Garden of Eden is from a story. I believe it's in the Middle East, but we're not sure. And he goes, oh no, it's a garden just outside of Moscow. And Kirk once again, like, waves his hand and says, gentlemen. And just, like, pushes them back towards the plot. But I do enjoy that Chekhov is continuing to be that Russian character that is very proud of everything Russian and thinks everything originated from there. It it never ceases to entertain me. I, I enjoy that Chekhov is so blatantly Russian. But anyway... Like, that's... Oh, sorry. At the end of the episode, there is one thing that is said by Spock that I kind of like. McCoy and, and Spock are arguing when they're back on the ship, and and they say to Kirk, you need to hear this. And Spock basically says, it strikes me that Earth has a similar tale about something much like this, except the snake was the one that gave humanity the apple so that they would leave Eden. And it seems that in this situation, we are the snake, for we have destroyed Eden and forced these people to leave. Which, you know, like I said, philosophical debate again of should you help, should you not, should people develop on their own, should you assist them if you can, is it even right to assist people and point their development in a certain direction when, who knows, if you left them alone in a hundred years, they might be in a better position than you are and they might right a lot of the wrongs that you do. You know, it's pretty arrogant of anyone to assume that their culture is automatically better and has a right to tell another how to do things. But... That's, that's half the fun of Star Trek, is that these debates happen and they do all this on screen. And also, not just in Star Trek, but like throughout Star Trek, we will get different captains, different errors and different people's personalities and reasons for why they do or do not do these things. Like I said, Kirk's a bit more gung-ho and just sort of does as he feels. Spock's a lot more logical, but like later on we'll have Picard, who is much more philosophical. He's a big historian. He goes over these sorts of debates in great detail. We'll have people like Janeway, who is actually very similar, except I would say Janeway is far more practical than Picard. Janeway will respect another's culture, but if it starts to interfere with their crew, she's a lot more like Kirk. She's a lot more willing to just open fire and to protect her people, because she's got that big mama bear energy that just loves defending her crew. Yeah, kind of like Cisco, who I would say, my personal favorite captain, he just doesn't give a fuck. He's the type of guy who's like, are they hurting anyone? Are they threatening my people? If they are, I will take them out. He will just do what needs to be done. Screw the rules. I will deal with the consequences later. So now that I say that out loud, I'm kind of like, okay, most of the captains now that I think about it don't respect that right very well. I think it's only really Picard that does, and I feel like that might be a big part of why Picard vs. Kirk was such a big debate back in the day. These days, not so much, because like I said, there's so many other captains now. There's Janeway and Cisco, and the new shows have new captains, like, we're going to continue to see new and over the time of the shows like the captains change too like i would say kirk in season one versus kirk by the end of the last movie he's in are almost two different characters he grows so much as a character and the same goes like that new show picard now picard in that show is there's a vast vast difference between that picard and the picard from next generation which is a lot of what the controversy is with fans about it like some people like it some don't personally i haven't finished watching that show but I thought it was okay. I would have preferred that he was more like his old self, and I like a lot of the changes they did, but like I've said before, I'm not... My opinions on New Trek are very interesting. I'm not that into a lot of it, but I don't think it's all terrible either, for the most part. But we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. We're still in the 60s era right now. We're still, like, up to episode 6 in season 2, which will be the next episode, called The Doomsday Machine. Which, I will say, this next one coming up, another pretty good episode. Like, The Apple Today, not a bad one. It, it's interesting, like, if this was the sort of episode that was on TV and I was just flicking through and bored and didn't know what to watch, I'd probably watch it. 
It's not an episode that's bad enough that I'd immediately hit the skip button, but it's also not an episode I would specifically come back to watch or ever really reference or I don't imagine that this the Apple is anyone's favorite episode. It brings up some interesting arguments, but other than that, like there's not a lot to it. Whereas the next one, the Doomsday Machine, I could see this being a lot of people's favorite episode or one that gets referenced a lot because it's a bit more interesting. Maybe that's just my bias, but we'll see. So thank you for listening, thank you for coming by, and I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye for now.